verse 6. As we move into part 2 of this message, we began last Sunday titled, No Place for Oppression. There is no place for oppression in the church. Let me say that again. There is no place for oppression in the church. Oppression, as we titled, as we defined it last week, is an overflowing pressure from being defrauded and violated in the heart. In the heart. To be deprived of some right, some interest, or some property by a deceitful device. A deceitful device. It's really the grounds through which the enemy works. And today, we're going to see something that I've really never thought of before, never heard. Not in the words we'll say it today. Maybe we heard it in other ways. But today, we're going to see in the Scriptures how that before you knew that you had to keep your faith in the sacrifice of Christ for to, to prevent you being dominated by the sin nature, you were oppressed. You were oppressed. You might not have went around with your lip hanging out all the time, but if the sin nature is dominating you, you're oppressed because you're being defrauded. As a Christian, you're being violated spiritually. And if you continue, even in the Webster's Dictionary to look this word up, it even carries one of the definitions of rape. You're being spiritually abused, spiritually raped, spiritually raped, deprived of the benefits Christ died for you to be able to have. So let me say it again before we dig into the Scriptures this morning. Before we knew the answer for victorious Christian living for every child of God is a deliberate and conscious, I know what I'm doing, faith in the sacrifice of Christ, we were an oppressed people because the sin nature was dominating. And if, he, if that sin nature is dominating, he's oppressing. To be dominated by anything in this world of this world, the enemy, anything that's not of God, to be dominated by it is there is an overpowering pressure on you. You're being pressured to be like them. Young people, you're being pressured to be cool, pressured to do this, pressured to have what they have. That's, that's, that's oppression. That's oppression. The sin nature dominates and he oppresses. And let me say this, it's the only avenue through which Satan has the grounds to devour. You are told, I am told by the writing of Peter, to resist the enemy steadfast because he comes as a lion, seeking, roaring as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. You do know that the Lord will let the enemy devour you even though you belong to God. You do understand that. They're sitting back thinking, well, God won't let the enemy devour me. We were being devoured before we knew this way of the cross. 
There's a lot of people that don't agree with that, but that's because their vain imaginations before this, they still cling to certain experiences and things that they can't prove was God at all anyway. I make people mad everywhere I go because I tell them you can go over there and stand in that corner and shake all over for two hours and then tell me it was a move of God, but you have no way to prove it. And there won't be any scriptural fruit from it. You can say it's God all day long, but where's the fruit? What what that what was that? Where's the fruit of that? Amen. Fuck, Christian folk get mad today when you bring them to a, 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 the reality of what the Bible says. And one of those is Romans 8, 2. I preached it recently somewhere. It might have been here. Do you really believe Romans 2 is true? 8 and 2 is true. That the Holy Spirit only works within the perimeters of your faith in the sacrifice. That's what the Bible teaches. If you don't believe that, really fully believe that, then you'll still be making up like this was God and that was God and this was God. And God says what's required for him to save or to be moving you rightly along the path, sanctifying you, is you exercising your faith in the death of Jesus. If you don't believe that, if you don't know that, you're oppressed. Because any knowledge that is exalting itself in some religious, spiritual way, but yet it's against the knowledge of God, is an oppressive knowledge. It's oppressing you. That's what Paul meant when he wrote in Romans chapter 7. He was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, when he thought he could just start living by the commandment again just because he was saved, now he could do it. He says the sin nature, that oppressive enemy, revived and I died. That oppressive enemy, the sin nature, revived and I died. He also says in Romans 7 that the sin nature deceived him. See, the things of this world that oppress us, they're always deceiving us. Deception is in all oppression. Deception is in all oppression. Because if I'm being oppressed, that means I'm looking at something that has power to oppress me. I'm certain, we're going to see it today. There are many in the body of Christ who are serving oppression, trusting in their oppression. It's been that way even in old days when God would rebuke Israel for this, and I'll give you the scriptures today, because he found them not serving him, but serving oppression. Serving it. The church is the same way today. If you're serving the sin nature, you're serving oppression. We were there, every one of us, even those of you who sit back. Well, not really me. Yes, doubly you. Really you. Because let me say this, and I have to, it's never just Jesus. Even over the last few weeks, people want to know, why can't it just be Jesus? Because if it's just Jesus and not Jesus crucified, you ain't getting nothing, honey. You're not getting in the kingdom. You're not going to function in the kingdom. 
at all. It takes the cross to get in. And it takes the cross for God to continue the work he began in you when you got in. If, if my faith is not in the cross and it's just, in, I don't want to hear any more about the cross, just tell me about Jesus. You might go to heaven, my friend, but you're going to live an oppressive life uh, even though you talk about Jesus, you say the word Jesus. You're going to live an oppressed life. Because the power of the cross is the only thing that can remove the lie of oppression. First of all, let me say it's the only thing that can reveal that you've been serving oppression. And then it will deliver you from being a servant to that oppressor, the sin nature. Amen. Don't be better. Don't be better than I thought, Lord. It always is. Psalms 103, verse 6, the Lord gives us the answer. There's not two. The Lord doesn't have two answers for salvation, two answers for deliverance, two answers for making a way out of whatever you're in. The Lord will make a way. He did it 2,000 years ago. That's your way out. Of anything that will hinder you, it's your way out. Amen. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for how many? All that are oppressed, not a few, and he got some another plan for a different few. If you are oppressed and you want God to deliver you, you will see his righteous judgment or you will stay oppressed. His righteous judgment is what his son did at Calvary. Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he was reviled, he did not revile back. When he was threatened, he did not threaten back. But he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And he trusted, that's Philippians 2, 5 through 8 also, and he says he trusted, he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. Right there is the door of righteousness declared and offered to you, presented to you for, the, for, for a complete salvation. God's salvation is a complete salvation. When you're saved, you're completely saved. You don't get saved and try to work to, to find a fuller place of salvation. When God saved you, you're saved as you'll ever be. When he made you righteous, you're as righteous as you'll ever be. When, he's, when he justified you, you're as just as you'll ever be. What, what ours is, is to learn to live that out, to walk out what is already finished. Isn't that what the Bible says? Work out your own salvation. If, if, you, if you don't know it's already complete, finished, and perfected, then you'll try to work at it instead of work it out. Amen. So the Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Now, I want you to turn, if you will, this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1. Ecclesiastes, I won't ask you to spell it, but turn there, please, chapter 4, verse 1. Leah, if I had you get up, could you spell Ecclesiastes without looking at the computer screen? Well, don't feel alone. If any of us tried, we'd be guessing. And we'd get close, I'm sure, but it's not about spelling. It's about reading it and studying it and just believing it. Amen. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1, written by the wisest man that ever lived until Jesus showed up, Solomon. He says, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold the tears of such as were oppressed. And they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power. But they had no comforter. On the side, the Bible says, of their oppressors, there was power. But they had no comforter. When you and I were born into this world, we were born into this world already dominated by sin, the sin nature. That's really probably what the Bible means when David said, I was conceived in sin. Not that his mother was committing some sinful, adulterous act when he was conceived, but he was conceived in the sin that she was, that her daddy was, that his daddy was, all the way back to Adam and Eve. He was conceived in sin. He didn't become a sinner when he committed his first sin. He began to sin when he was born because he was a sinner, because he had a sin nature that dominated him. So when we were born into this life, we were oppressed right off the bat. We were born under this rule of this oppressor. Sin nature is powerful. Sin nature control you. You hear people say the devil can't make you do anything, but he can if you're serving the sin nature. Christians can do as dumb a stuff as the world can do. We can look back and say, well, they're not really saved because they did that. Man, I can show you a story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel, I think, where David's running from Saul. He's oppressed. He's scared for his life, and he runs up on this king, uh, the king of Gath, whatever his name is, and, and they look at him, and David gets scared for his life, so he starts spitting all over himself. Man, you oppressed. You start slobbering all over yourself, you oppressed. Amen. The sin nature is the oppressor with power. Every human being is born under that, controlled by that, dominated by that. Even all the good things that we're doing as a sinner before we're saved, all the good things we're doing for, for people, feeding them and helping them, just wanting to help people, it ain't getting you nothing from God because you're doing it as a corrupt tree that cannot bear good fruit, as a sinner cannot produce good fruit. It takes the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer for any fruit to be classified as good by God. Men may look at you and say, thank you for feeding me. That's a very good thing you've done, my friend. But God doesn't see it as good because it comes from a corrupt tree, and a corrupt tree can do no good thing. Only among men can we call things good. This is why you need to be becoming experienced in the word of righteousness so the discernment level you have can be raised up. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. I hope you're taking notes, not just sitting there nodding your head today. You need to learn these things. You need to go and look at these things. You need to be allowing the Holy Spirit to put the word in your heart.
sitting in a church service in a chair ain't going to get it. Sitting in a church service in a chair is not going to get it. You got to be allowing the Holy Spirit to put the word in your heart to become a light to your path. Amen. Israel was caught in all the same ways the church is caught in today. Israel was caught in all the ways. They, they, they were living lives of contradiction. They were doing what God told them to do as far as bringing the offerings and all that, but then they were out there doing all the sinful things too. Lives of contradiction. I mean, God finally told them, quit bringing me offerings, quit bringing me all that stuff. It don't mean nothing to you anyway. You, you're, you're outweighing all that I have made you, all that I've called you to. You're outweighing all of that which I've given you with all of your worldly desires. Mm -hmm. Let's read this verse again because I want to point out a couple of uh, scary things here, but really eye-opening things so that we won't be deceitfully deceived. And what I mean by that is the whole church world at this very moment that's not trusting in Christ crucified is being oppressed. Almost all preachers are preaching oppressive messages this morning using God's word. If they are not pointing to the one place where oppression can be moved far from them, then they leave oppressed just like they came. This is why preachers are quitting by the drove right now. Preachers are throwing in the towel saying, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of having to do it all. I'm sick of having to be the one that coordinates everything. I'm sick of the one that has to do everything that gets done. I'm sick of it because they're not looking at the heavenly vision. See, the heavenly vision is the Lamb. You stop looking at the lamb, oppression's moving in. You stop hearing about the lamb, oppression. I don't care how much Bible you're reading or hearing preached and taught at you, if you look away from the lamb, oppression's coming in. And a psychological uh, uh, minister ain't going to fix it. God said he would set shepherds among his people in these last days and what they fed them would remove fear, dismay, and lack. That's Jeremiah 23, 4, and 5. What God feeds his people with will remove fear, dismay, and lack. And there ain't but one message that does all three. That's the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Ecclesiastes 4 and 1, So I returned and considered all the oppressions. Oh, there's so many. Notice here what the word oppressions mean. I looked it up because sometimes word, the same word means different things to help us see it in a, a way that's more clear than ever before. Listen to the, what the word oppression means here. And I'm not talking about from the Webster's. Listen to this definition of oppressions, tyranny, and extortion. And again, it goes right back to the sin nature because a tyrant is a usurper of sovereignty. 
a ruler outside the law. A ruler outside the law is a tyrant. He's controlling the people. He's a tyrant. Ministers who don't present the gospel as God's only answer for everything and the explanation and understanding of all things written in the word of God, they're trying to rule the people. They're hirelings. They're hirelings. If they're not pointing to the cross, they're hirelings and controllers. And the word extortion means twisting something from a person, twisting something from a person by force. This is what the sin nature does. Remember, oppression is a force. You're being forced. You're being pressured. Something's being stole from you, taken from you. The devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. How does he do it? Through the sin nature. Through the sin nature. I said through the sin nature. So you've come too late to even try to get me to look away from Calvary. You've come too late to try to talk me into we need to move over and start being more practical with prayer and fasting. You, you, you'll never understand any of that unless you're beholding the Lamb. You'll never understand it. You'll go out and try to do it, and it won't work, and everybody will be uh, uh, disarrayed, and uh, everybody will be just at each other and saying this and that and then going home and... Rah, 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 rah. As we all come together and strive together for the faith of the gospel, then we can see everything God wants us to see, not what men tell us we need to see. So I returned and considered all the oppressions, all the tyranny, all the extortion taking place that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of such as were oppressed. And they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power, a sin nature. The power among the oppressed is the sin nature. I'm not talking about people putting a chain link fence with Bob around your town. I'm, not ta I'm talking spiritual things this morning. Get your mind off the natural stuff. I'm talking spiritually this morning. Spiritually oppressed, and that's what we have to focus on because all outward oppression comes from in the heart. That's what the Bible says, right? Guard your heart diligently because out of it come the issues of your life. I'm not the issue of your life. You're not the issue of my life. Your issues, my issues, come out of our own hearts. And as long as I'm blaming everybody else for what's wrong, and yeah, they are dumb, and yeah, they are wrong, but listen, as long as I'm blaming everybody else for what's wrong in my life, I'm being oppressed. I'm being deceived. The first thing the Lord showed me in 1994 when he got a hold of me, it was like a billboard on the side of a highway, and it said this on it, you have always been your problem. 
I blamed my bosses. I blamed my spouse. I blamed all this other stuff. If I got a drinking problem, it's because they're selling it. No, it's because I'm buying it. If I go to hell, it ain't because there is a hell. It's because I didn't believe the right thing to keep me out of it. There is a way to live for God that glorifies him, but it won't just happen unless I press in to believe what I need to believe to experience that. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no, no comforter. There was no comforter. It's a shame to be a Christian and to not know the way of victory in life and not just over the sin nature, not just over this oppressor called the sin nature who is the great oppressor, who works for the devil. Think about Eve, Adam and Eve. The devil had to get them to believe him and disobey God, he couldn't do anything at first but tell a lie. So all he could do was tell a lie. But when they bought that lie, then they had a sin nature and he dominated. He controlled now. See, God saw that. God saw more of that than I'll be able to explain. And God rushed into the garden and gave the promise because it would be their only escape from the one who oppresses. And listen, oppression ain't just about me feeling like things ain't going to work out. It's being a much deeper oppression than that. The devil can oppress you and you not even know you are oppressed. I was thinking last night about the great apostle Paul reaching a place of realizing as a Christian who wanted to serve God and please God, but realizing he can't, he couldn't, and the Lord gave him the promise. He got to a place where he said, who's going to save this old wretched man? He was already saved. Who's going to deliver this old wretched? Who's going to deliver me? How am I going to live for God and please God? Number one, he wanted to. And the Lord had to give him the great revelation of the cross. It's a much more dangerous thing to be a Christian and not think you have a need for deliverance. It's a very blinding. That's, that's oppressive blindness. You can be oppressed to the point where you don't think you have. I was there. You've heard me tell it years. We'd gather in conferences and little meetings, and they'd say, take right down on the paper your bondages or sins that are controlling you, dominating you. And I'd look around like, well, I don't know what they told me. What's all these people writing down? Who am I in here with? That's real. That's real. The oppressor will blind you to really, first of all, that you're even oppressed spiritually. You'll know something's wrong in the natural. But, the, but, the, but the, the oppressor, that sin nature, remember Paul said, the sin nature deceived him. 
That's why these preachers out there talking about fasting will deliver you from sin bondages or you can start praising God and singing the praises of God and you, what you're doing there will deliver you from your chains of bondage. The sin nature is oppressing them, making them tell you that so that you will stay in your oppression the same oppression they're in. Some of you still have a problem with statements like that because you, so after all these years, you do think that singing, praising God is going to deliver you. I promise you it ain't. Why, why can't it? Because it's what you're doing. God doesn't work through what you do. He works through what his son did. And when these preachers step out on the platform and ask you, don't you know you can dance your way to victory? They're oppressed, and they're trying to oppress you, but they don't know it because that oppressor is deceiving them and offering that same oppressive deception to the church. Well, I'm just teaching better than your amen in. Amen. Let's move on. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12. I don't want to be oppressed. When you, when you begin to escape oppression's grip, what you want is everybody else to go with you. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. This building's on fire. Let's get out of here. We've been crippled. We've been oppressed. We've been abused. We've been, we, man, we've been violated spiritually. Let's, come on, everybody. Let's get out of here. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay, meaning rely thereon. And I'm not going to teach all of Isaiah chapter 30. You won't read it, go home and read it, but I wanted to point this scripture out to you because it's confirmation that you can serve the oppressor. Again, every Christian is, no matter how faithful they are to a church, to give financially to a church, to show up at prayer meetings, to have big breakfasts and dinners and luncheons and all they do for the kids and the married couples and the, uh, the, the senior folks. It, all the, you got a name that you're alive, but you are dead. Jesus didn't tell the church in Sardis they were dead. That... Just to be talking, they were dead because they were slain by the sin nature. They were not trusting in Christ crucified. Jesus would never say that about us if we were trusting in his sacrificial work. Amen. They were trusting, they were trusting in oppression and perverseness. And they were relying on it. Now, I got a little time this morning. So I've been wanting to share this for a long time, and I think this morning the Lord will let me do this. I, 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 I think this is what he wants me to say right now. Isaiah 28, let's look at it together. Because when you're oppressed, when we, I don't mean you and just you, us, anybody, when we're, in, when we're being oppressed, 
we can be taught wrong things. And we will teach wrong things. And we will give wrong, wrong advice, wrong counsel. That's all that can come from one who is oppressed. Amen. And again, if you want to read a powerful, you know how I feel about the Bible. Every word in it is more precious than gold. But the book, the letter of Isaiah is really about a backslidden church in that day. That's what it's about. A lot of promises in there, but the overall statement about Isaiah is a backslidden people. And the New Testament tells us to read the Old Testament and learn from it. Now, we wouldn't need to be told that if that Old Testament wasn't no chance of us ever going the way they went, but there is, and we have. Isaiah 28, verse 14 is where we'll start. You'd have to read the whole chapter, and we don't have time to do it to get the fullness or more of, rather, out of what he's saying here. But I want to read this portion. Isaiah 28 and 14, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men. That means men who are boasting in what they know. The Lord says here, Hear the word of the Lord. You scornful men, quit trusting in what you think. Quit, quit boasting in your knowledge and, and all, all the stuff that you've come together and you agree on. Hear the word of the Lord. You scornful men that rule this people, which is in Jerusalem, the rulers, the preachers, the prophets. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell we are at agreement when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we've hid ourselves. Somebody sent me a video the other day, just a couple minute video of, it's not the church, so I don't talk about videos like this like it's a backslidden church. These people are not the church. But they look like what a church to some degree would look like. They gather in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, they gather. But they, but in their creed, what was the name of the creed? Starlight, star something. Sparkle, the sparkle creed. The sparkle they're talking about of the rainbow. Homosexuality. It's not the church. And I think I said it Wednesday night, maybe not, maybe on one of my teaching sessions, that anything that God says is an abomination has no love in it. Anything that God says is an abomination has no love in it, not the love of God, what they're calling love. And we don't condemn anybody for anything, but we do present the truth to everyone. And many times we're called condemners, judging. You know you're not supposed to be judging, right? Well, Jesus said we are to judge. Righteous judgment, John 7, 24. But in their sparkle creed, they, they claim Jesus, and they claim love, and they claim Jesus had two fathers And they're, they have a show like, like they're the church. 
But they're not. I'm reading this to you because they're, they're being oppressed by the enemy. See, not just is the lost world oppressed. Christians, they, they're not Christians. You're not boasting in homosexuality. You're not boasting in an abomination to God and claiming Christianity. But they're being oppressed as lost people. And there's some Christians that don't even think you ought to ever be even talking about anything like this. If that's the case, then these same people that think that are the same people that don't think we ought to really be preaching the gospel. We ought to just let God save folk. But God ain't going to save one soul without the gospel. How can they be saved if they don't hear? And how can they hear if somebody don't go tell them? And how can somebody go tell them if they're not sent to go tell them? So we are called to talk about these things. But the reason I pointed out that situation there is because they have their own covenant with, and we're going to see this, they have their own covenant with death and hell. It's not the covenant the Bible teaches. And if you're oppressed by the sin nature, you got your own thoughts. Why do you think Christians don't go to church today like they should? They're being oppressed. They've exalted their imaginations, their thoughts above the word of God. Amen. Amen. Watch this now. And at the end of verse 15, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hidden ourselves. This is what Israel, God's people, was saying to God. When the, when, what he called it, when the overflowing scourge, the overflowing judgment of God is coming, it ain't going to touch us. We good. We got our own covenant with, what did he say? Covenant with death and with hell. All these new age ideologies about death and hell. People got outside the word of God. It's just their own oppressive thoughts and opinions because they are oppressed people by the devil. Let's keep reading verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. And here he gives the one answer. We sang it this morning. I lay in Zion for a foundation of a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. For those of you who don't know what it means to make haste, it means for those that believe in him, the cornerstone he lays, they won't be in a panic over everything. They won't be carried around by every wind of doctrine in some haste, hastily just to believe this, that, or the other. They won't be in a panic. That means they won't be oppressed. Watch now. Verse 17. Judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. You can't hide from God's judgment. And your covenant. Now listen to what the Lord's telling Israel. They Listen. God, we hear all you saying, we tired of all that. 
We'll make our own covenant with death and hell. It's about what we think. Isn't that that those folks that claim to be Catholic today? The Bible is not their word. They have their own writings. They worship a woman named Mary. And many, many, many lies they have among them because they're oppressed by the oppressor who deceives and slays. Verse 18, and your covenant with death shall be disannulled. And your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. See, our thoughts and opinions mean absolutely nothing. We need the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is the judgment of the Lord. I like what Andrew said the other day on social media. He said, if we let Scripture interpret Scripture, we'll always end up at Calvary. If we're not letting Scripture and truth interpret Scripture and truth, that means we're putting our two cents in. We're putting our input into the covenant. We don't have any input to put into the covenant. We enter into the covenant simply by believing the covenant is in the blood of Jesus. And it's the reason ministries and preachers don't always climax at Calvary because they're inputting their two cents in. Just like here in Israel. They're not teaching line upon line. They're teaching line in what our denomination does And then we'll get to the next line, God. And then our denomination, our our leaders of our... And then then we'll put another of your words in, in, in the mixture of what we're doing. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you how oppression works and what it does. It adds to God's word. Amen. Y'all all right this morning? The sin nature is the oppressor. The sin nature is the oppressor. He works for the devil. Let me say it again about Eve this morning. The Lord just showed me that yesterday, day before yesterday. It's very important. The devil, he can lie, 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 lie. He gonna lie, he gonna lie, he gonna lie. That's all he can do is lie. But when Eve believed his lie, then he had ground to control her. Because she had now a sin nature. Ground for the oppressor to rule. You understand? You have have a sin nature, but it can be dormant if your faith is in the cross. Not saying the word cross, but your faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. We're not... Moving away from the focus of the Lamb, we're pressing on in, becoming more determined. All the things the Lord has taught me and taught you in your own personal Bible studies about the great revelation of Christ crucified and how he shows you constantly great truths in the Word of God. He could not continue to do that had you moved away from its focus. He could not do that. Because he only shows the covenant to those that fear him. 
And those who fear him are those who value him properly. I mean, you're not scared of God. Well, I got to go to church. He might give me a disease. No, no, no. Fearing God is respecting and valuing him according to his word. Allowing his word to guide you and lead you because he loves you and you love him. Amen. One last scripture this morning, Psalms 146, 5 through 7. Psalms 146. Verse 5, happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help. Is the Lord your help this morning? He's not because you say he is. He is because you know where to put your faith. I know from where my help comes from. And I know my help doesn't come because I say it comes or even if I say it comes from the Lord. Many say words that are right, but it's with the heart men believe unto righteousness. Unto it. It's a path we're on, right? A path of righteousness. Psalms 85, 13 says, Righteous as righteousness went before him, and has now placed us in the way of his steps. We weren't just made righteous. He won't lead you if you won't stay on the path he's leading you on. Proverbs 8 and 20 says he leads in the way of righteousness. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keeps truth forever, which executes judgment for the oppressed, which gives food to the hungry. The last line in this verse, the Lord looses the prisoners. Why is the fires of Calvary not diminishing in my life? Because I have been loosed. I have been loosed. I'm no longer a prisoner to the oppressor, but now a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm no longer a prisoner and bound under the oppressing lies of the enemy about you got to do this and you got to do that. You got to do this on that day. You got to eat this. You can't eat that. You got to do these three things. No, I've been delivered from those oppressive lies. Now I've been made a prisoner of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he broke the bands on the tree. He broke my bands of oppression on the tree of Calvary. I didn't work my way into deliverance. I believed my way into deliverance. I can't do anything to deliver myself. I believed what he did. He is my deliverance. Hallelujah. For everything I need free from, I must go back 
to the dressing room where you put on the armor of light, where you put on Christ Jesus, where you put on the whole armor of God, where you put on that light that removes the dark oppressor's lies. This is why the fire of Calvary must burn. The fire of God's not burning because I'm Pentecostal. Pentecostal church is dying. Fires of God are burning in my heart because they burn from Calvary's cross. They burn from nowhere other. The Bible tells us that. Where righteousness and peace kissed. Where was that? At the cross. The word kissed means kindled fire. That's why when you're first born again, people say, boy, he's on fire for God. Yes, he is because he's got his faith in Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Then he goes to church. And he gets bombarded with a list. If you want to keep your salvation, if you want to keep your healing, if you, if you want to be found really, really complete in Christ, you got take this and quote these and do this and da, da, and, 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 and the oppressor, here it comes. The oppressor, I used to oppress people as a preacher before I knew the truth. I feel about like Paul sometimes. I used to pervert and violate and extort God's people. I robbed them. How do you think the apostle Paul felt when all of a sudden he realized he was a part of the crucifixion of God? Well, it's no wonder he got determined. My Lord, we crucified God. Imagine that. We crucified God. How, how could it be? Imagine the apostle Paul. How, how do you think Paul could say, I don't care. I'm pressing on. I don't care. I'm counting everything that I, that I lost. Dong. It wasn't doing nothing but hindering me anyway. I crucified God. And then I started imprisoning God's people. These are the people, the people that realize they've been forgiven much, love much. That's why when the Lord loosed my bands up there in that old warehouse here in Atlanta, listening to this, this message of deliverance, which is the, the message of the cross, and my bands, those bands that begin to be loosed off me, I begin to have hope. Fire begin to burn. Liberty. Freedom. My Lord, I think we can do this now. Uh, fear started going bye-bye. Listen, when the bands of oppression begin to be loosed, you start getting a little momentum in your spiritual step because you've been all locked up trying to put on a nice show at church, but you bound up. 
fear, oppression. Got you. Can't even look at people when you talk to them. Got to look all around. Can't even look at me now. Fear dominating you. You can be free today. I didn't say when you get home, you ain't got to go home and, and go through three days. You, you can be free before you walk out them doors this morning. It's not magic. It's not mysticism. It's the power of the cross. You can be free before you leave today. It's not a progress of freedom. You're free when you got saved. He made you free. It's learning just how free you already are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord looses the prisoners. And like I said earlier, when you get loosed from your prison, you're going to reach for everybody else there with you, and you're going to try to get them out of there. That's a sad thing because until, until we reach a place of realizing, man, I ain't serving God. This ain't real. This ain't right. This is, this is, this is not according to the Word of God. Let me tell you something what God's doing right now in the church because of the message of the cross going out in the last 25, 30 years. The Christians have had a great opportunity now to hear and to see what the Bible says in the right light from which it shines. And now decisions are being made whether they're going to just keep going with people or they're going to get involved in the Word of God. Hear the Word of the Lord. Forget all the agreements and covenants uh, that you've made with denominations. God don't want any denominations. It's the hierarchy of men, and there's only one that is the head of his church. His name is Jesus. The only structure we need is the structure the Bible calls for, not what men get together and decide we need. Amen. Preachers don't like me. They used to invite us to stuff around here. They don't invite us anymore. They don't need to waste their time anyway. If they're not interested in the focus of the Lamb, which means the message of the cross, we don't have anything that really to talk about. When they get on board with what's God's precious to God, what's precious, what is heaven's view, then we can all get together and, man, we can do a lot around here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Until then, y'all are just going to be classified as the problem maker, problem, division causers. Y'all ought to just love everybody. We are. Amen. We preach the cross. We loving folk. Well, that ain't really what I'm talking about, brother. I know because you're oppressed. You're oppressed. When you're looking for love outside of Calvary, you're oppressed. Let me say it. I got a little few minutes. The church over this side of the street, they preach in the cross, they preach in the Word of God in the context of the Lamb. Have to, because the Bible says the Lamb's a light. Church across the street, they avoiding the message of the cross, but they always talking about love. Always talking about love. And we ought to talk about love. And we ought to be more loving than anybody. But the Bible says, how many Bible believers we got in here this morning? Don't fade off on, don't fade off on God being a Bible believer now. Can't be about what you feel. That's what them people I described earlier are all about, how they feel. Their, their, the Bible says their stomach is their belly is their God. They live based on their emotions and feelings and what they want 
outside the Word of God. Y'all made me forget what I was going to say now. Hmm? Oh, yeah, church cross street. Now, I'm just making this up because there's not one right across the street. They're preaching all about love, but no cross. And ministers are even saying now, some of the ones who have taught and preached the cross for quite a while, about some of these other preachers are saying the same thing we're saying. They're just using different words. But see, the issue with that is, if they were saying the same thing we're saying, they'd be experiencing the same offense we're experiencing. There is no offense when you're just talking about love. We, we just ought to all love each other, right? Amen. Get along. We just, we're loving, we're loving, we're loving. And we better be because if you don't listen, if you're not, you really have nothing, the Bible says. Without love, you're, a, you're, you're just a, what did Paul say, a ring and symbol. But if you're without faith in the sacrifice, your love is just self-induced and introverted. The cross is where we get swallowed up and put away and God's love then works through us among others. The message of the cross is the message of God's love. And it is an offensive message. So where people are just preaching and focused on love and not the cross, there won't be an offense there because it's the wrong love. But where the cross is the focus, that's the focus of God's love. And there will always be an offense. People have said about us recently, they just always have to be about the cross. Why do they always have to be about the cross? There's so much more. What more is there other than the Lamb? That's what we mean when we say cross, the focus of what God did as the Lamb of God on the tree. That's God's focus. You can't even be being changed unless you're beholding that. You're not changed because you woke up on a new day. You're not changed because you went through a hardship. Oh, you're changed, but we're all being changed, even the world. But we're only changed by the Spirit of the Lord. We're only changed by the Spirit of the Lord going from glory to glory as we're beholding that glorious image that we're being made conformable to, which is the death of Jesus. If you're not beholding that, you are not being renewed. What's that scripture say? Don't be conformed to this world, but be renewed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's not happening without the cross. And hear, hear me this morning. That's not happening without a focus of the Lamb and what he did at Calvary. And to believe it can work without that, that's our own covenant with death and hell and maturity and sanctification and everything. Now this message brings great hope, great light, great victory, Great power, everything we need. But what it also does, it makes us turn around and look back and say, okay, God, I can't call all that that I used to call you doing this and that really was you. 
Because the heart that's believing in this message gets real honest with God according to the truth. Not what I felt, not what I thought, the truth. Hear the word of the Lord. Our, whatever we're calling our experiences must be based on Scripture. And Scripture must always be in the light of the one who is the living word and what he did to become the living word to us. Amen. I wish I would have been hearing this when I was your young age. I was saved when I was your age, but I didn't know this. I didn't know that when a problem would face me in my life, that it wasn't running to church I needed to do. It was running to Christ and what he did at Calvary I have to run to. The place I met him, the place I was immersed into, and the place I was fully equipped and clothed with everything I needed there at the cross. It is the dressing room. It's the dressing room. It's where God dressed you fully, initially, fully. He's not dressing you along the way. Well, you finally earned your gospel shoes of peace, son. Maybe next month you can get your loin belt of truth. He put it all on you when he saved you. When you stood in that place of liberty and freedom, you were fully dressed in everything God would ever clothe you with. But we begin to listen to opinions and men's psychology. And the oppressor strips us in our experience of what we'll have to be told if we get back in the Word to put on Christ. Put on the armor of light. Why do I need to be told that when I was dressed in all that it, when I was born again? Because I'm being lied to. I'm being violated. We know what it's like to be violated. You and your family and probably every other person in this church and all these cross-preaching churches, the reason we're here is because we wake up we woke up by the Spirit of God, Him showing us Calvary. We woke up. We were awakened to being violated and lied to and oppressed. <clears throat> many have come to this church and many others like it, but they, a lot of them don't stick around because they're oppressed. Not because they're not going to this church. They're oppressed because they don't see the need to constantly behold the Lamb. Moment by moment. You say, does it have to be that radical? Does it have to be every moment? Well, the Bible says that your God is trying you every moment. Everybody know where that's at in the Bible? Everybody know where, anybody in here know where that's at in the Bible? Job, there it comes, Job 7, 17 and 18. Your God is trying you every moment. Every moment. I'm going to say it for a long time probably. But he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me is not scripture just for when I get down and, and I'm really struggling now, I'm under attack. Well, brother, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. Well, I know that, I, the Bible says that. What's that mean? That means he's trying you right now. 
trying to see if you keep your mind on him and what he did for you at Calvary. See if you'll stay dressed in what he clothed you with. See, we can be loosed, but will we stay loose? Those who are staying loose are preaching the loosened message. When this church started, everybody here was talking about the cross. If you're listening to me, you're still hearing it. We was all excited about the message of the cross. We were all excited about having a local church together to preach and focus on the Lamb of God. But people begin to move away from the focus of Calvary. They begin to put back on the garments of heaviness. If, you're, if, if you and I can be told to put on what we were dressed in in salvation initially, then we can surely put on something else too. Heaviness. Confusion. Contradiction. Knowing things ought to be better than this in my marriage. Knowing and they ain't getting better, they getting worse. Knowing that I ought to be experiencing more of this great salvation than I am. The heart after God won't say, well, nobody's perfect. The heart after God will say, who's going to save this old wretched man? Lord, I want to please you more than anything. Lord, I want to live for you. I want you to, to work through me. I want to be pleasing unto you. And it's not just a little 30-second prayer and then we just go on about our bed. You know, what we pray, what we mean, we just walk on into that. That's what it really means to, have, to, to, to pray without ceasing. Not little uh, a little time of prayer and then we just go on about our business expecting something mystical and magical to happen. No, what you're praying and asking for, you're to walk looking for and expecting. Amen. If you're looking at the Lamb, you'll experience everything God has for you. And when things happen to us that we don't know why they're happening to us, hard, rugged, ugly things that we just can't believe, don't understand it, you're in the hand of God. You're in the hand of God. I've told you for the last few years, when you feel like you're being squeezed in the midst of all these trials, it's because your Lord is holding you a little tighter than he was before. Because he's with you. He's with you. He's not leaving you. And this preacher here, not going to stand by and watch God's people just live in oppression and boast about it. I guess before I close, one of the greatest examples we'll ever see in our lives is when a woman, and there could be many examples, and I don't know anybody personally, so I'm not using somebody. This is just, I've always thought this and heard this. One of the natural experiences that we could explain this whole message with today is when a woman or a wife is being beaten by her husband. But she's telling people that he's just doing that because he's loving me and that's just the way he shows love. He can't help it. He, he no, he don't love her. You don't do that to who you love. And I know some people say, well, no, brother, he does love her. No, he's not loving her when he's hitting her. 
I know you love Jesus, but you are not loving him when you sin. Woo! We love Jesus, but we're not loving him when we sin. We trust in the Lord, but we're not trusting in him when we sin. And that man is not loving his wife when he's beating her. And she is being oppressed by him and making up lies for him because she is oppressed. If you're oppressed by the sin nature, you can't give good counsel. So preachers who don't know this way of the cross for sanctified living, they have no business counseling God's people in anything. Ministers who do not know the way of the cross for sanctification, for step-by-step living, have no business trying to counsel anybody in the church. You say, well, they can give them the Word of God. We can all give people the Word of God, but if what we give them doesn't climax at Calvary, the Word of God is just some legal something. If it doesn't end up at Calvary and it's based on what Jesus did, then we're giving people the word and telling them they got it. If you want to fix this, this is what God's telling you to do to fix it. I'm going to say it one more time before I quit this morning. Anybody, any preacher, doesn't matter the degrees on the wall, doesn't matter the, the positions they have attained all these years in the church, any minister, who doesn't know the way of the cross as it pertains to daily living has no business counseling anybody in the church or really anywhere for that matter. Because without the cross involved, there is no true counsel of God. None. And I'm not saying anything we hadn't read about and heard about in the last many years, even from other men which are, it's all scriptural. If I don't know the way of the cross, then how can I tell you if you come to me with marriage issues, well, sir, if you just buy her roses every once in a while, if you, if you just stop doing this, honey, and it, why don't you start washing his clothes? He, he's griping about you not washing his clothes, don't you? Not? And, and, and all we're doing there is spinning in a circle in a whirlwind of flesh because we're oppressed and we don't know what to do. This is why preachers are throwing in the towel now. They're quitting. They're getting out. They're sick of the oppression, but they don't know really what it is. They reach a point where they're, you know, I, I love you, but it's time we do something different and new. Well, you find you somebody, I'll find let's, let's Let's put a spark back in our marriage. And, you know, obviously we don't have it anymore. That's oppression. They're being oppressed. Because self is being exalted. But self can be denied at Calvary. Amen. Y'all better stand up. I'm going to preach till supper time.